Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. I want to talk to you about the Christmas story, but I want to do it in a way that is not conventional. I'm not going to go to the manger. I'm not going to do all the traditional things. God gave me this, and I believe it's going to bless someone. And not by, it's not a coincidence, on the way in today, I heard a song from Naomi Rain, and I heard it for the first time. And the, the name of the song is, I'm Not Ready. And a more complete description would be, I'm not ready to change. And as I listen to the lyrics, it is the most honest confession that I've heard in a long time, perhaps ever, in gospel music. Some of the words are, I'm not ready. Lord, I need you. And if I'm honest, I'm afraid of the truth. I'm afraid of the truth. She said, my bills are paid, but I'm still stressed. I can't get rid of this void. I know I need you, but I'm not ready to change. She says, I'm caught between what was and what could be, but I'm afraid of the truth. I need you. And there are more words in it. If you get a chance, Naomi Rain, I'm not ready. And listen to the words. There were, a lot of people are going to be delivered because of that honest confession. A lot of people, one of the other things she says is, I sing to cover up the shame that I feel. I can't turn off the voices in my head. And there's so many th people who do outward things to cover up. I want to tell you that the word of God says whatever ex is exposed is light. The enemy of our soul wants us to cover up because there's something called the cover of darkness. But that's why God wants the entrance of his word to bring light. Those dark places that are in us, that are in our nature, he wants to uncover them. And so that's a foundation to lay for the Christmas story. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to read two verses, verse 20 and 21. Matthew 21. Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. It reads, But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Gabriel, the messenger of God, not only tells Joseph what to do, he tells him why it's important. 
And there are two things I want to focus on in this text. There are many, but there are only two that God has put on my heart to share. One is, there are some things that are of the Holy Spirit that only the Spirit can do. This is of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, don't worry. I know it looks scandalous. I know in your natural mind you can't understand how your wife-to-be, and, and Gabriel calls her his wife already. They're just engaged. No, this is your wife. God has decided that this is your wife. I understand what you're going through. I know the thoughts of your heart, but I want you to know this thing is of the Holy Spirit. People are going to talk about you. You're going to be scandalized. I know it's rough, but what I want you to know is this is of the Holy Ghost. There are some things that are in your life that appear to be hard, but God wants you to know that if it's of the Spirit, it will endure. There is no devil in hell that can derail the plans of God. The second thing is I want to talk about the purpose of his birth. It says, he shall save his people from their sins. Now, before Gabriel, Gabriel spoke to Joseph, he appeared to Mary, who depends on which scholars you study. Most Protestant scholars say she was about 16. Catholic scholars who really embrace Mary, you know that, right? They say she was 12 to 14. Either one, in the range of 12 to 16, she was young. She was in the tender part of her life. And when Gabriel came to her, she was like, how can this be? I have not known a man. It's like, it's not possible for me to be pregnant. How, how is this going to be? And, and Gabriel said, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Can I say Holy Ghost? I want to go back to my roots. I'm, I can be proper and say the Holy Spirit, but today is a Holy Ghost day. So allow me some space just to say the Holy Ghost. Somebody say it with me. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will overshadow you. The whole, I would to God that the Holy Ghost would overshadow you. And this thing is going to happen. And she still didn't understand it, but here's what she said. She said, be it unto me as you have spoken. Here's the key. There are times when we just need to yield to the Holy Ghost. You don't have to understand it, but just trust God. I communicate to God that I trust you. When I yield to things that I don't understand, God, this doesn't make sense. That's what Naomi is trying to say. I'm not ready to change. I need you, but I'm not ready. That's the time when we need to submit ourselves to God and yield to the Holy Ghost because there's some things that are impossible for you to do, but it's possible with the Holy Ghost. That's the whole under, that's the principle of faith. Faith doesn't make things easy, but it makes all things possible. See, we live in a culture where we want easy things. God doesn't want us to be, you can't grow when things are easy. We grow through the fire. Gold cannot be purified without fire. That's why Job says, when he has tried me, I shall come forth as pure gold. 
God wants to put spiritual muscle on his people. So we're tough. So we know how to endure hardness. We don't pray for the easy way out. We just want to be blessed by the best. And the people who are the most blessed are the ones who go through hardship because we learn obedience by the things we suffer. And sometimes we resist the Holy Ghost and we don't even know that we're resisting the Holy Ghost. Jesus was led in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Let me stick to the Christmas story. Talking to Mary, she didn't understand it, but she yielded. And while he was talking to Mary, and I'm going to get, I'm going to, get to the virgin birth in a, in a minute, because most center their theology of the birth, the incarnation, around the virgin birth. Like, that is the miraculous. And on some level it is, but that's not it. There's something else God wants us to see today. But he, while he was talking, I'm, I'm talking about the Holy Ghost, then we'll get to saving from sin. When he was talking to Mary, and he told her that the Spirit would overshadow her, he then said, your cousin Elizabeth, who was barren, is now pregnant. And she's been pregnant six months. Now Mary had just got the message. So she had just conceived. In the moment of her conception, he says, go to her house. She obeys. Obedience is better than sacrifice. She doesn't even understand what has been said to her, but she hears the messenger of God. She obeys and she gets, Joseph gets together and they go to, to Elizabeth's house. Elizabeth is married to a priest. His name is Zachariah. And what we do in the lineage of ministry matters to God. We know that if, when we look at this text because Gabriel says to Joseph, he, he talks about his father, David. David was dead for generations. But because of what's happening in his life, and because the line of the tribe of Judah is about to be manifested, he is associated with David. Every one of us, we're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. It's not just, as New Covenant, we're a local body. But God sees something bigger for every one of us. But she goes down to her house, and I'm sure while she's riding, she's like, wow. Gabriel, this Gabriel is a mess. He comes and tells me something that seems impossible for me. And he's talking, and I'm young. Elizabeth is old. She couldn't have a child when she was young. But she gets on that chariot and she goes. Her husband, who's a priest, when Gabriel comes to him, he's like, man, do you know who you're talking to? I'm using my words. Can I use my Holy Ghost imagination? But if you read the text, you know it's not far from this. He's like, I'm, I'm old, and my wife is old. She was barren even in her youth. You know how hard we tried to have a baby? And now you're going to tell me we're going to have it? He's like, man, I don't, my plumbing don't even work. And you're talking about, 
he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. He's like, this can't happen. And he went back to ministering. You know what? When the Spirit of God is speaking to us, sometimes the way we resist, we go back to ministering. We keep ourselves busy. He went back to ministering. But Gabriel said, I'm going to get your attention. And he told him what his son was going to be and what his name was. Zachariah's like, nah, that ain't going to happen. My son going to be Zachariah Jr. I'm just, I'm just now discerning the thoughts of his heart. He resisted even the name. He said, okay, you're going to be mute and not able to speak. You're going to be dumb for a season. And from that point, he couldn't talk. But you know what he did? He kept on ministering. He was the high priest that year. He went in, he was ministering. He couldn't talk. How many of us, how many of us have had a visitation and things are hard? We can't talk, we can't express what we're feeling, but we keep on ministering. The good, the good news is God won't leave us alone. He pursues us until he gets our attention. And he was in there, he couldn't talk, he wasn't talking to nobody because he couldn't. God said, all right, if you're not going to speak what I speak, shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. And he shut him up. When Mary shows up, she knocks on the door. And as soon as she opened the door, it says, at her salutation, all she did was say, Sayonara, good to see you. And with that, something leaped in her spirit. There's something about the spirit of God when deep reaches out to deep. It didn't take a lot of words. Something leaped in her spirit and Elizabeth began to prophesy. John the Baptist was six months in his mother's womb, but he recognized the Savior. He's like, he's the forerunner. And in the presence of Jesus, he began to leap. I don't know how you can come in his presence and you don't leap. A baby who's in the womb, who's not fully formed, began to leap in his mother's womb. There's something about the Spirit of God that will cause you to leap. Here's something to think about. If John's mother is six months present, pregnant, and Mary is only a few days. That means Jesus, because he was conceived by the Holy Ghost, was fully formed. He was fully formed. See, he's the, that's why he is the son of the living God. He didn't, this was not about flesh and blood. It wasn't an embryo that became this or that. It's the spirit that deposited himself. It was God that went in the womb. And from that time, Jesus had to go through the process of being the son of man. But the son of God was fully alive. And because he's alive today, it causes a leaping. It causes a leaping. There's something when you come into his presence. He was alive in the womb from day one. He was alive in the, from the tomb from day three. And he's alive today. Jesus is alive. See, that's the work of the Holy Ghost. 
I'm still talking about the work of the Holy Ghost. Can I work this thing out? Spirit of God, work it out for your people. So the, the miraculous conception and the incarnation, the miracle isn't in the virgin birth. I know I'm gonna mess up somebody's theology, but I'm gonna prove it. It's not in the virgin birth. And we'll talk about what is in. Can you put up that information? So I wanted to bring this because I knew there would be some people who their religion would tell them that he's standing up there, he don't know what he's talking about. I want you to know that there are virgins today who have children. And they do it without sexual intercourse. They do it through IVF, in vitro fertilization, and IUI, interuteral injections. However, the difference and what makes what happened to Mary miraculous is that this is impossible to do without a man. You see what it says? Pregnancy without sperm is what? So it takes a man. It, it, the man doesn't have to come together with the woman, but you have to take what comes from a man, put it in the woman. And even though she's a virgin and she has a child, the miracle is that this thing was done by the Holy Ghost. See, this is possible. It's possible for man to do this. It's impossible to do what happened to Mary. Do you see the difference? There's no insemination that can prove, can produce the Son of God. This thing, and it's right in the text, that happened to her was by the Holy Ghost. God wants you to know that there's some things in your life that you will never be able to do. It's not possible, except by the Holy Ghost. There's some things that you'll never understand unless you submit yourself to the Holy Ghost. There are some things that are too wonderful for us, but it's revealed to us by the Holy Ghost. This child, Jesus, is there. there's nobody like him. He's the only one who was born of a woman who came by the Holy Ghost. By the Holy Ghost. There is no IVF. There was no IUI. It was just the Holy Ghost. There is some, and that's what brought life. The Spirit of the Lord came to give us life. There are some things in me that will never come alive and that'll be dead except by, come on, the Holy Ghost. That's the miracle that the Holy Ghost was put in her womb. And Jesus was born fully God and fully man. He had to be fully man to understand our infirmities, to be tempted like us, but he was without sin. How could he be in the flesh and be without sin? Because he yielded to the Holy Ghost. Jesus yielded. He said, I don't, I don't do anything of myself. Only what I see my father do. I do that. And the interdependency of the Godhead is such that I wish his body would be like that. It's God's heart. 
that his body would be like that. Jesus said in John 16 that it is to your benefit that I go away. I know you're sad because I told you I'm leaving. He said, but you didn't even ask me where I'm going. And sadness fills your heart. What he was saying is, you're sad because you don't understand. And he said, I have many other things to say to you, but you're not ready to bear them. They weren't ready to bear them because the teacher hadn't been sent. Jesus was a great teacher, but he's like, no, 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 you can't get this. As much as I'm telling you, I have to say to you, oh, you of little faith, because you don't get it. He said, but it is expedient for you, for me to go, because if I go, I'm going to send you a helper. And when he comes, he's going to all things that are mine, he's going to give to you. He said, I say they're mine because whatever my father has is mine, is mine. And he said, he will teach you, he'll lead you and guide you into all truth. And he will not speak of himself. He'll glorify me. See, I know the Holy Ghost is speaking when Jesus is glorified. See, I'm talking about a spirit, the spirit of God, that doesn't bring attention to himself. You can recognize the people of God when they don't bring attention to themselves. If I got to tell you who I am by introducing myself with some, something other than the name my mama gave me, then I'm bringing attention to myself. Or I don't recognize that the authority is in what, in what you call me, it's in the God who I carry. See, Mary was a carrier of the Holy Ghost. If you're a carrier of the Holy Ghost, all things are yours. You, there's no reason to be insecure. I'm talking about the Christmas story. I'm just taking Jesus out of the manger. And we're looking at the womb from a different perspective. The miracle was more than the virgin birth. It was the Holy Ghost because virgins give birth. But it's not to Jesus. It's not to Emmanuel. Because this thing can only be done by the Holy Ghost. By the Holy Ghost. God calls us to leap in your presence. Let's get to the next part which is the final part. 1 John 3, 8 and 9. 1 John 3, 8 and 9. Are you with me so far? Is the Spirit of God ministering to you? Because the minister can't do anything. I don't care how great they are. I don't care how many followers. They, are, they have feet of clay. But it's the teacher is the spirit of God. And when you understand that, because there's an unction in you. You don't need anyone to teach you. But the same spirit that is in you is truth and is no lie. One of the things that touched my heart that Naomi said is I'm afraid of the truth. And that's honesty before God. There are some people who are not ready to change 
because they like. You know, our nature from the time the forbidden fruit was tasted, the nature of humanity has become self-indulgence to indulge ourselves. The reason we fast is to develop spiritual discipline, to abstain from certain things, to discipline ourselves. But our nature, when unchecked, is to indulge. We like what we like. We don't, in ourselves, we cannot. It's not possible for us to submit ourselves wholly to God, but by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost comes, and we're going to talk about how does the Holy Spirit help us do that. The Holy Ghost is sent so we can do what we can't do on our own. If we had the power to walk in salvation apart from a Savior, then Jesus died in vain. He died in vain. But God knew no one could keep the law. See, most people think the law is the Ten Commandments. There are 633 laws. I promise you, there's no one in the room, me first, who can name all 633. How can you do them and you don't even know what they are? There's no one, even if the, the smartest person can memorize them, they can't do them. And that's why God sent a Savior. See, the Christmas story is good news. It says he will save his people from what? Why is it that sin is such an unpopular topic when it's truth? It's truth, but it's unpopular. And because people don't want to hear that, then people don't teach it. They don't preach it. You know why? Because they're like, man, I got bills to pay. Just as Naomi said, my bills are paid and I'm still stressed. There is no peace. There's no freedom without the truth. It's only the truth that'll set you free. I feel good when I worship God. I feel the liberty because of his presence. But it's only truth that will set you free. And here's his promise to you and to me. You shall Know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. I had, to say, I had to say that to set up this next verse so you won't tune me out. 1 John chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. And now our focus is on the last part of that verse in Matthew 1, where he says, and he shall save his people from their sins. And we're going to combine that with the Holy Ghost, who's the one who can do the impossible, who can do in us what we can't do in ourselves. 1 John 3, verse 8 and 9, it reads, He who sins is of the devil. Is that my opinion or is that the word? For the devil has sinned from the beginning. That's why Jesus calls him the father of lies. And I want to tell you something. In the kingdom of God, life is binary. You're either in the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Satan. 
There's nothing in between. Purgatory is, is the, forget that. There's nothing in between. That's why Jesus said to the religious people of his day, you always follow your father, the devil. And they said, wait a minute. Abraham is our father. Are you saying? He said, before Abraham was, I am. He messed them up. He messed them up. I hope he messes somebody else up, to, somebody up today so that we can come to the light and walk in the light, the beautiful light. He says, for the devil has sinned from the beginning for this purpose. Somebody say for this purpose. The son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's good news. He was manifested. He came into the earth to save his people from sin. And saving us from sin, he does what? He destroys the work of the devil. The original sinner who tempted God's people in the garden, and then the rest of us are born in sin and shaped in iniquity. But God said, there's a savior. There's a way out. I've got good news. I sent my son to get you out. I never intended for you to be in bondage. So I'm going to send the truth to set you free. Listen to this part. I need you to listen carefully to this. Whoever, whoever, I grew up in a church where there were some very simple people, but they loved God. And they used to say it this way, whosoever. Am I the only one who heard that language? <laughs> whoever has, now y'all saying it. I hear some people, y'all know that language. <laughs> whoever has been born of God. Whoever has been born of God, whoever has been born of God does not sin. Let me hold it there for a minute because I see the devil trying to take the seed out of your heart. I can sense it. He's like, no, no, everybody sins. All has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's true. That's why you need a savior. So we agree on that. All have sinned. John, the same John says, if you say you have no sin, you make him a liar. He's talking about the self-righteous people who look for deliverance in religion. And they call you unrighteous and themselves right. No, no, no. You need a savior. You can't, you can't escape sin apart from the savior. And you can't stay keep from sin apart from the Holy Ghost. And that's why John goes on to say, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and do what? And cleanse us from how much unrighteousness? Oh, see, that looks like a contradiction, but if you read the whole verse, it agrees with this. Are you with me? Am I giving you opinion or the word of God? Whoever has been born of God does not sin. Why? For his seed remains in him. And he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Let's work that out for a minute. 
what was put in Mary's seed, uh, womb was the seed of God. That is called, and for the, Paul talks to the Galatians and calls it the seed of Abraham. Not seeds, Pastor O, it's plural. It's just one. That one Jesus, one Savior, that is the seed. When we come to God, there's something that's deposited in us. The Bible says it's a seed. And because that seed is in us, that same seed that produced life in Mary is the same seed that produces life in us. There are eight billion people in the world, but God offers that one seed to all because that thing produces life and that life is everlasting. You'll never see when it talks about Jesus a plural on seeds. There are a plurality of people, but it's that same seed. That same thing that was implanted in Mary's womb is implanted in our spirit. That's why Elizabeth recognized, and Elizabeth began to prophesy because that seed was in John the Baptist. John leaped and his mother prophesied and Mary began to sing. That's why I like being around the people of God. You're not prone to gossip. When you are in the presence of God's people, you're going to be talking about the word and get built up. You're going to be singing songs to God and get built up and not torn down and not defiled. That seed. That is not possible without the seed. It is not possible to be free without the seed, that same spirit. Now, what does it mean that you cannot sin? There's some translations that make it clear. It means you don't, see, that's a good one. That's very, very true. I know in my own life, there's some things that I had a taste for and I liked to do. It gave me pleasure. And God took the taste away. And no longer, you don't want to do it. There's a, there's a person who's in this room, I won't name them, we were having a conversation. And they said, you know, when I was in college, I went to this party after I had been born again. See, Jesus was born by Mary. Our first birth, it was by Adam. When you're born again, you're the second Adam, which is a quickening spirit, meaning a life-giving spirit. That's the one, when that seed is in you, you cannot sin. And here's what the person said. They said, I realize I'm not supposed to be here. The same environment they've always been in, but now there's a seed. And nobody said anything to them. Nobody quoted scripture. Nobody thumped them on the head with the Bible. Nobody called them a sinner. Nobody called them out. The seed that was in them let them know you don't belong here. And they tipped on out. I had another conversation with some people last week with some godly people. And they said, you know, Bob, what it, do what it does is your desire for it fades it goes away. Anybody who can't kick a habit, I offer you Jesus. Anyone 
who can't stop indulging, I offer you Jesus. What the Bible says, and if the Bible is true, and if the Bible is right, if his seed is in you, you cannot continue. You can't live a lifestyle style of sin. And why is that? Because the primary ministry of the Spirit, of the Holy Ghost, is to convict us. Let me work this out in the few minutes I have. In our judicial system, supposedly, you're innocent until proven guilty. Is that right? But when you commit a crime and you are convicted, you're found guilty, you are convicted. And with the conviction, you're going to get some, depending on if the punishment fits the crime, if it's murder, especially if you're in Texas. <laughs> no, see, because they have the, the capital punishment, they lead the nation. So I'm not picking on Texas, I'm just saying, I'm just giving you now facts. <laughs> you, go, you could be condemned to death. Am I right? But even if you do a lesser crime, and you are convicted, and you are condemned to prison, you are then known as a convict. In the hood I grew in, you are a con, or an ex-con. That thing follows you all the days of your life. But with the ministry of the Spirit, there is now, therefore, no condemnation. No condemnation. No condemnation to them that are in Christ who walk not after the flesh, but who walk after the spirit. You know what that means? I can be in Christ and be carnal and walk after the flesh. If I walk after the flesh, then I'm exposing myself to condemnation. But if I'm in Christ and I don't walk in the flesh and I walk after the spirit, there is no condemnation. There's only conviction. And the purpose of the conviction is to keep, nope, don't do that, stay out of that. That doesn't blow, no, stay out. And see, the reason the, the conviction is necessary and it's just, there are some things that you can do and you can do it in faith. Whatever you do, you need to do it in faith because all that is not of faith is sin. There are some things because of my disposition that I can't do. So you and I can be at the same party. You do one thing, but I'm going to do another because I know by the Holy Ghost that is in me, I can't touch that. You might be all right. You can handle it. That's why you don't judge anybody. It's not about what you do or don't. It's about yielding to the Spirit of God. God doesn't come to, he didn't send the Holy Ghost to condemn. He sent him to convict, to reprove, to rebuke, and to reprove of what? Of sin. So that the devil, the devil will no longer bring God's people into bondage. Because that's what he does. He wants to bring us into captivity. I'm coming to a close. Can you do me a favor, team? 
I want to do this just for all of us live streaming here to understand what is God's method. It's not to judge people. None of us are able to judge because we're going to be judged. And even if we think in our own mind we're justified, that doesn't justify us because God is judged. So we submit ourselves to the righteous judge. And then for those who resist the spirit, one of the most powerful messages in all the New Testament is found in Acts 7 and is given by a deacon by the name of Stephen. And one of the things he says after they saw the glory of God on his face, he said, you stiff-necked people, you do always resist the Holy Ghost, just as your father did. He said, you uncircumcised of heart and ear. There are some people whose hearts need to be circumcised. And you ought to have a heart of compassion for them. There are some people who, like Naomi, they want to follow God, but they're struggling. You ought to have compassion. You ought to pray with them. You ought to pray for them. You ought to love them. You ought to love them because God is love. God loved us when we were unlovable. That's how we show the love of God. We love people where they are. And when we love them where they are and the spirit of God works, they won't stay where they are. They won't stay where they are. So here's what I would like you to get from me. Second Timothy chapter two, verses 24 through 26. And God is instructing me to close with these instructions. And then we will wrap it up. Second Timothy chapter two, verses 24 through 26. And this word is for all of us who are servants of God. And for all of those who are not ready, the message of Christmas, the story of Christmas is good news for you. Here's what it says. And, the, and a servant of the Lord must not quarrel. Somebody needs to repent right now. I'm serious. Because there shouldn't be quarreling and debate over the word. Should never happen. Must not quarrel. But be gentle to your friends. Gentle to other Christians. Gentle to people who believe like you believe. Gentle to all. Able to teach. Able to teach. There are too many people teaching who don't have ability. You need to get yourself able in order to teach. Patient. Next verse. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition. I promise you this. Keep the verse up. I promise you this. If I approach you or anyone, or if you approach me or anyone, and it's out of self-righteousness or pride, 
people know that. If it's in humility, even if they don't hear you, the seed will be planted. There's only one way for us to minister. It's in humility. Because all of us need a savior. There's no one who will get out of here and face a holy God without the covering of his son. And none of us will live a righteous life in this world without the spirit of God. So if all of us need a savior and all of us depend on the spirit, who are we except people who believe? So the purpose of Paul teaching Timothy is we want everybody to believe because God is not willing that any should perish. And as the servant of the Lord, don't quarrel. Don't quarrel in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. You don't go along to get along. If somebody's wrong, there's a way to correct them. And it's not by being in their face and causing them to feel a sense of condemnation because you know what's going to happen? Especially if their heart is hard because there's some people who have stony hearts. They're going to resist. You want them to receive the Holy Ghost. So what God sends you and me to do is to break up the fallow ground. Even if the heart is hard, if the heart is hard, you need to break it up because the seed can't grow on rock. And the Spirit of God can move that. If, listen to this, if God, I don't care if you're the greatest evangelist that has ever lived, if people are going to turn to God, it's going to take God. Say with me, if God, if God perhaps will grant them what? Repentance. So that they may know what? The only way we can know the truth is repent. Confession first and then repentance. Confession is being honest with God. It doesn't make sense for me or any of us not to be honest with God when he knows everything already. But there are so many people who are going to do that that when they get in front of him, they're going to talk about their gifts and what they've done. Lord, I prophesied in your name. I cast out devils in your name. He's going to say, I never knew you. You that work iniquity. They didn't think of it as iniquity because they focused on the wrong thing. They focused on their talent, on their gifts, when God is focusing on fruit. What God looks for is fruit. Jesus said, it's the will of my Father that you bring forth much fruit and that your fruit remains. That's why there is fruit of the Spirit. When the Spirit is in me, I produce fruit, love, joy, peace, meekness, faith. All of those things come out. That's the evidence that the Spirit of God is in us, that we produce fruit. And a tree that doesn't produce fruit, remember that figs that Jesus saw when he was hungry and it didn't produce fruit? I don't want to be an unfruitful vine. How about you? So it says, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. Here's the, here's the payoff, the last verse. And that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. 
having been taken captive by him to do his will. I know this is an unusual Christmas story, but the times we're living in are perilous, and it's serious. God has said, made it clear to me, don't bring my people together to talk about all these happy things that are being promoted commercially. The devil don't care nothing about that. It can be the most happy, the happiest time of the year. If no one comes out of the grip of the wicked one, the snare is a trap. He sets traps for all of us. And every effective trap, Ken, is hidden. Even an animal won't walk into a trap that is not hidden. So it's got to be hidden and it has to have bait. Bait in it. Don't take the bait. God is saying to his people, don't take the bait. There are some things that only the Spirit of God can do. And he came to save his people from their sins. And we will always and forever need a Savior. And as Naomi said in the song, I need you. But if I'm honest, I don't know how to pray. If I'm honest, I don't know how to pray. For everyone who's in a state where you feel stuck or confused. God is saying today that I've got good news for you. There's one who will lead you and guide you. And even when you don't understand, faith will arise because faith will cause you to submit to God even when you don't understand. If I know everything beforehand, that doesn't take faith. Abraham, who was a man of faith, when he was about to offer his son, the angel says, stop, stop. He said, now I know, now I know. Sometimes God comes just so that he can know, that he can know what's in my heart. And the truth is, until I know, I can't really walk in it. And the heart is deceitful. So the Spirit of God, let's stand together just for a minute. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. There are things that we don't understand. There are some things that don't make sense. God, there are some things that you could get us out of if you choose to do it, but you allow us. God, it doesn't make sense. Sometimes I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray for, but your spirit gives me utterance. And so when I'm afraid, when we are afraid, we will trust in you. God, help us. Don't let us fail. Bring us to the place where we are pleasing you. Where we are pleasing you. God, help us. Deliver us 
from a herd mentality, from submitting to the culture rather than submitting to you. God, give us the courage and the boldness to stand. Having done all, may we stand. Give us the humility to be gentle with others who are entrapped. God, they don't want to do the will of the devil. They don't know that they're doing the will of the devil. Deliver us from carnal lifestyles where we confess your name, but we're living in carnality. Spirit of the living God, you're able to keep that which is committed unto you against that day. May we all see the good news. You know all of our hearts. You minister to one just as you minister to another. Help us to understand. Take the words that came forth from the mouth of your servant and make them flesh in the hearts, in the minds, in the hearing, in the spirit, yes, even down in the soul of every hearer. May we never again resist the Holy Ghost. May we submit. May we submit even to the truth that we don't like because we love and trust you. God, would you bless us together now that we might be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God a hand clap. Give God a praise. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.